0: On today's show, we've got David Ramil. We're going to talk about Max Drews. It's time for the much overdue Max Drews scouting report. Let's dive in.
1: You are locked on Cavs, your daily Cleveland Cavaliers podcast.
0: Today's episode is brought to you by Bird Dogs. We'll tell you more about Bird Dogs later, but go to birddogs.com backslash locked in and enter our promo code locked in NBA for a free water bottle with any purchase. We promise you, you won't want to take your Bird Dogs off. I'm Chris Manning. Jake Stevens, as always, is on production. We have David Ramil, one of the hosts of Locked He here today. Talk about Max Drews. David. How are you, my friend?
1: I'm doing great, man. Thank you so much. I'm sorry it took so long for us to get this together. I was over in Springfield, as I told you before, when you first invited me on the show. it uh, I had to go over to cover Dwayne Wade's induction. Former Cavs legend, <laughs> Dwayne Wade. Yeah. Yeah, you,
0: of yeah, it's it's kind of you know odd for you as a Miami Heat focused you know primary Miami Heat writer and a co-host of a Miami Heat podcast to go to the Hall of Fame induction of a Cavs lifer, but I, I respect your commitment to someone who only spent a small portion of his career in South Beach. I I respect it. <laughs> uh,
1: yeah, good times, good times. But I'm glad to be yeah. here. I'm ready to Do talk about Max yeah
0: Yeah, uh, I just the, the only thing I'll add about the Dwayne Wade thing is truly, if I could. There are more like important things I feel like I could ask him if I got like, to ask him like one tr- question on True Serum, but I would really just like like a ten minute honest answer about everything that happened in like Ooh. the three months he was a Cleveland Cavalier because I'm sh- I just think there was a lot going on. Yeah. Like Isaiah Thomas was there, there was the Kevin like him and Kevin Love reportedly didn't see eye to eye. Yeah. Like there's just so much.
1: I, I, so much. I, I know I, this is a major digression here, but did I ever tell you like the the, <laughs> the most miserable team I've ever seen in my life was that year's Cavs team? Like right yeah. before the trade deadline. Yeah. Oh man, it was um just a terrible, terrible. They, like it was an early practice, and LeBron being LeBron had them like practice way the hell away from the Amway Center in Orlando. That's when I was living in Gainesville, Florida, and I was covering the Magic, or at least going to Magic games. And so they practiced at this weird facility an hour away from the arena. It was like 9, maybe 9 a.m., maybe even before that in the morning. And they just rolled out of there. They were in the midst of like a a three-game losing streak. And they wound up losing that day in Orlando as well. Just absolutely miserable. And nobody seemed to like each other. And Jay Crowder was on the team at that point. Uh, Isaiah was on that team, but he wasn't really playing much because he was still hurt. Dwayne was on that team, and he had his relationship with LeBron. But other than that, like it was just like it was just such a miserable. They hated being there at that particular time. Then the trade kind of ignited them, and they still got to the finals anyway. So,
0: look, the 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 one of the most memorable games I've ever covered in my life will be the. <laughs> uh three deadline game where now Miami Heat superstar, the Minnesota Timberwolf Jimmy Butler <laughs> took the Cavs to the limit. LeBron hits a game winner over Jimmy. Yeah. And then he jumps past Isaiah Thomas into Jetty Osmond's arms <laughs> to celebrate the game winner. What a what a time that was for the Cleveland Cavaliers. It was about like a decade ago. But let's talk about Max Drews. Yeah, let's do that. David, I I th- I think for him in coming to Cleveland, I think Cleveland's idea of him and the value he's gonna provide and like ninety percent of his value is on offense. I think it's as a shooter. I think it's as a guy who can shoot in a bunch of different ways. Maybe, you know, I obviously we saw in the finals, he had that little dip at the beginning of the series, but a pretty, like a very good shooter and a high volume shooter. What What is your read on Struess as the offensive player? Is that the correct read on my part in your mind?
1: Yeah, I, I guess that is where the value would be. He's not, he's not an elite shooter though. That's the whole thing. There is more to his game than just the shooting but he was kind of reduced into that role in Miami because that's really what they needed him to do the most. And I think that's probably what they'll wind up having him do the most of in Cleveland as well. So he's uh he was an off ball player. Uh, he does have the ball in his hands and occasionally he does ignite the offense. Uh, but mostly I don't, I don't see that role for him in Cleveland. I know that we'll talk about that a little bit later, but he's just, he's smart. He's heady. He really understands how to play off of different players and, there was so much going on in Max's brief stint in Miami, like in between different players coming on and off the bench, starting, not starting, incorporating new players, trying to figure everything out. It was not to say disastrous, because obviously Miami still enjoyed great success despite Max or it, you know regardless of whoever was out on the floor. But it was just very hard to kind of figure out exactly where he was going to play and what he was going to play on any given night. Like he'll tell you, you know, my role is just to go out there, Play off Jimmy and Bam, figure out a way to make a positive impact and get us to a dub. Like that's his standard answer. And that's pretty much what he did. But at the same time, like, you know, you want a kind of you want a stability as a player. You want to be able to figure out exactly what you're going to do on a nightly basis. And that was so tough just because Max, again, he, he was a plug-in player. Like you could just put him in there in the starting line, you could come come off the bench, and he was going to figure out some way of doing something. But he wasn't also counted on to be that productive. But yeah, as far as his offense is concerned, yeah, as a shooter, I could see that being the expectation. But I don't, I, I'm a little uh, leery of that. And I, I mean, I think Heat fans kind of figured that out as well. It's like you could have really the term that, that Spo used to love, talking about him and Duncan, was ignitable, right? Guys that could catch fire. Mm. Maybe that's true of any three point shooter. But with Max, it was like you were going to have some good nights. And then we we're going to have some not-so-good nights. And then when he has those not-so-good nights as a shooter, that making that positive impact wasn't always as obvious. And then the, the kind of flaws in the overall aspects of his game kind of stood out a little bit more as well. And I think it led to some frustration. And, and you know, I think you, you're hearing a lot of national media, and I wonder if you could speak to this as well, as like saying, oh, Miami, yeah. Miami's going to struggle a little bit because they lost two starters. And Heat fans and myself are saying, Nah, are they really like that's not really much of a struggle. These guys like Max in particular st- started because, you know, Tyler here got hurt and, and there were many other options. He weren't going to go with Duncan Robinson and he had been a starter on and off throughout the season. But like these guys were role players that Miami developed into functional quality players. And we've yet to see the player that leaves Miami system and continues to flourish outside of Miami.
0: So I on the Heat point, I just kind of assume they're gonna find someone who played eight games for Sioux Falls last year, yeah. and then like they'll be playing in the NBA Finals. Like that's just seemingly how this works, which is yeah, like sort of the the funny thing about how Strus comes to me in a way too, because he plays two games with the Bulls on a, in 2019-20, gets hurt, he's on the Heat summer league team, I believe that next summer, yeah, and then it's really the last two seasons he kind of became more and more of a mainstay in the team. Sixty eight games, sixteen starts in 21-22 twenty one twenty two. Then last year, did twenty six, season eighty games played, thirty three starts, played almost thirty minutes a night. So, like, maybe it, there's like a simple answer here, David. But like, what allowed Stroess to actually break through in Miami and become someone who played eighty games last year, was a starter on a finals team. Albeit an orthodox one, and then yeah. just got them. Like, what what led to where we ended up here? In your mind,
1: I, aside from the work and everything else, and that really stood out. He kind of had uh, a little bit of dog in him, and I think it kind of stood out in sharp contrast as Duncan Robinson. Like, Duncan had gotten that big contract a couple of years ago, and as a result, I think his like his personality kind of reflected the fact that maybe there was the imposter syndrome, and he kind of shied away from it, and he kind of took a step back in terms of his actual on-court production as well at the same time max was coming on as a guy who showed a little bit of extra flash too there wasn't just the there wasn't just the reliance of the three-point shooting as you've seen from the uh, off-season workout videos he can't put the ball down he has you know pretty high athleticism i think a lot of people probably don't expect that being a white kid from chicago or whatever but the reality is that he can get up there and he'll be happy to you know jam it on somebody without a problem so you will see the occasional talk. So I think that was a big part of it. It's like you're seeing Duncan kind of like, oh, man, I've got this big contract kind of not living up to the expectations of that deal. And Max is like, hey, I'll step in. I'll figure it out. And I, I you, know, you talked about the starts and, and the number of games played. Like he started every game in Miami's playoff run last year. And he started every game in Miami's playoff run this year, all the way to the NBA finals last year, to the Eastern Conference finals. So I think that says something. And, and you talk about the fact that he doesn't shy away from the moment. And yes. You can't necessarily count on him to step up and be 15, 20 points per game or anything like that. But if he has an opportunity and he's feeling it, you'll see a different version of Max that is much more comfortable in those role and that role as a, as a starter on a playoff team with championship aspirations than, say, Duncan Robinson. I think that was a big part of it, too.
0: Do you like his fit? Uh, the kind of the last offensive question I have is: Do you like his offensive fit working off of Garland and Mitchell, and in between, predominantly two bigs in Mobley now? And do you like him as as the fifth offensive piece, and what and what is going on there?
1: Uh, I, I th- yes and no. Um, you know, with Donovan, we see a lot of kind of over dribbling around the perimeter, and then putting up a shot. Uh, with Darius, not so much, I'd say. And, and I think Max kind of just needs a little bit – he needs more of the inside-outside game. That's how we kind of see him at, in, his, in his best moments. He was there as the outlet pass on the perimeter after Jimmy and or Bam or somebody else, Tyler, to some extent, you know, uh, had the ball inside the circle there and then kind of just put it out to a shooter, and that's where he kind of stepped up and knocked those shots down or could put it down again and drive to the rim and create secondary offensive opportunities. I don't, I don't know. It, it could work. It could work. And and I think all of those players are smart enough to kind of figure it out and understand their own respective strengths. But I think there will be uh, an adjustment period where it it might look a little clunky at first.
0: Yeah, that seems right. All right, coming up next, let's talk about the defensive side of the ball. Let's say Max Struess is the starting three. Is that a tenable defensive thing? We'll talk about that coming up. Today's episode is brought to you by our friends at Bird Dogs. Bird Dogs make you look good. Bird Dogs stretch khaki shorts are designed to fit slimmer through the thigh and leg, giving you a truly sculpted look. Bird Dogs shorts do the exact same thing as Lululemon, but fit way better. They fit way better than regular shorts, too, that are made of stiff, restricting cotton. How did Bird Dogs fix this issue, you might ask? Well, they fix the issue by inventing cloud knit fabric that looks just like khaki, but stretches so you get a way slimmer fit without having to sacrifice movement. Bird Dogs also uses anti-stink sweat wicking fabric that keeps you cool and dry all day long. Bird Dogs are functional for any occasion. That includes golf, a date, an evening out with friends, going to the pool, working out, lounging and work. I got to say my favorite pair of Bird Dogs that they've sent us right now are these pair of blue everyday wear shorts that they sent me. I know all of our hosts have gotten some in at least in different colors and they're super comfortable. They are great for a day of walking around in the heat right now. Yes, it is muggy and warm and annoying in Cleveland, Ohio right now, but these shorts keep me looking good and feeling good. I build my fits all around these baby blue shorts. And, you know, I don't have them on right now. They're in the wash right now. But I mean they send you free stuff too. I mean, look at this amazing tech hat. It's great for the summer months too. Go to birddogs.com backslash locked in NBA or enter our promo code Locked in NBA at checkout. For a free Bird Dogs water bottle with your order, that's birddogs.com slash locked into me for a free water bottle at checkout. You won't want to take your Bird Dogs off. We promise you. All right. Defensively, Max Drews, David. I, I find him in watching him in the playoffs, watching him in the regular season to be someone who I don't expect to defend your apex predator wings. I don't think that's what he's going to do. Evan Mobley is going to have to do that a lot. Well, to his credit, I think he really fights. At least he did in Miami. We'll see again if, the, if, that, if there is like a non-Miami thing that happens there. That would be a big problem, I think, if it does. And he's not a pushover. And I think if you're going to say, hey, we need you to be a competent defensive wing in between Mobley and Allen, I think that can work. Is he the perfect guy to then cover for Garland and uh, Mitchell? Probably not, but I think is he the is he a decent enough compliment on the wing as a team defender? I think that can work, especially if Evan Mobley is as, as good as we, at least I think he might be.
1: Yeah, I, I think that sums it up really nicely. Uh, and, you know, he's a decent, competent, I, I like to use the term earnest because you do see the effort there. Like there is, you know, again, the athleticism is not so lacking that he's just going to get blown by or anything like that. He's not going to be a pushover, as you mentioned. And so he can't do just enough. But he's not like and in an ISO situations. He'll be targeted. Not again. Not to the same extent as on Miami's own roster is Tyler Hero and or Duncan Robinson. Like those guys were like okay.
0: Well, it's okay. So let, will he be targeted more or less than Garland and Mitchell?
1: Probably similarly, I'd say. Um, yeah, I, I, I could see. I could see. Yeah, I, I mean, there are going to be moments there. Like he, he's his footing. You know, his foot speed is not great. Um, he, he, you know, tries, he, he, I think he uses mostly like the anticipation aspect of it. So he can kind of understand exactly where an offensive player is going. Uh, does a lot of film work and things of that sort. So he can kind of make up for whatever, uh, physical tools he might be lacking. So I think that's a big part of it. Uh, yeah, I I don't know. That's a, that's a really interesting question. I'd say probably, You'll see a couple moments there uh, where he, he's going to get got, and that's just all there is to it. Like, you, you just have to give those up and, and hope that he can make up for it on the offensive end. And there were moments there, you know, that that Heat fans grew frustrated with because he wasn't having those big games offensively or even, even solid games offensively. And given his limitations defensively, it's like, well, what is he even out there for? You know, if you're looking at, you know, I, this goes back to the offense, you know, Duncan... And I hate tying them together, but it's just the the kind of the Mm -hmm. way that these players kind of fit into Miami's system, both, you know, cast-offs and who who wind up thriving in in Miami uh, and known for their shooting. Like, Duncan, I would still count on being the better shooter just because, I mean, he he put up historic numbers, that those numbers trailed off at some point. I don't know what that was other than the psychological aspect of it um, and teams maybe preparing for him a little bit more, but at least you were... The feeling was that you were getting enough, or at least the potential for him to provide some offense was enough to offset whatever defensive issues there might have been. With Max, you just kind of say he's a good all-around gamer, but nothing is ever going to really stand out enough where you could say, "Okay, well, I feel comfortable and competent with him," you know, being in the starting lineup and providing that extra edge. There, there were moments, and I know I'm kind of making mm-hmm. maybe seeing making it seem a little bit more negative. There were just. Like Miami's season, Miami's incredible historic postseason doesn't happen if with if Max doesn't go off in the first quarter, I think, of the matchup, the play-in tournament game against the Chicago Bulls. Like he was huge in that game. and uh, mm-hmm. and then there were other moments throughout the playoffs too, where he had just like ignitable just Eric Spolster's term there. But then there were other games where he was a non-factor and he was kind of a non-factor in the NBA finals when they really needed him. And I know that was the the big thing is like, well, Miami kind of relied on this historic shooting to get there. And when that tapered off, well, what do you have left? And, you know, that's kind of where Max is. If he's not putting up five, six threes, you know, then then what are you getting out of him? He's not a playmaker, although he does have that aspect. Um, he's not a great defensive player. So, you know, if you're not getting those that kind of contribution from offensively, then there are moments there where you kind of go, oh, okay, well, he's kind of an, just a non-factor after there.
0: So, Miami's scheme, I think the other part about this that is worth thinking about and at least having on the radar, it's not, it's, it can be difficult to unpack. I'll acknowledge that. Miami's scheme is just going to was different, is different than what Cleveland's is. I think yeah. Cleveland has a Jared Allen in a way that like Miami doesn't play that kind of, that exact type of rim protector. Bam is nope. better than Jared Allen, but they're different. Yeah. Like there's Cleveland no Jimmy Butler. Everything. There's yeah. no
1: like. Yeah, yeah Cleveland has not switch everything. No, they don't. They go yeah. drop, right? I mean, that yes. was Jared Allen. Okay.
0: Yeah they a, a lot of drop they could with Mobley there's a there, there's a little more versatility you could do now like Mobley's rookier they ran the zone that I think would make sense for Shrews but they didn't run it at all last year I don't really know why with Mobley there's a little more room to switch but certainly like you're not going to switch with Garland like you could switch with Kyle Lowry just because he's kind of thick yeah in a way that you can't with Darius Garland or Donovan Mitchell like there right. is just like Maybe more with Mitchell because he's longer and kind of strong and stocky in a way, but like it, it is a little different. So, do you ha- considering he's going to go to a different scheme? Is there anything about is there was there something about the Miami scheme that helped him that hurt him? Is there anything when you think about it in that context that is worth maybe pinging around in your brain a little bit here? Yeah,
1: I, I mean, a little bit of column A, a little bit of column e, B. You know, like the he's again on, on the perimeter when he has to pick up, you know, like a four. That worked out for him. Uh, he was strong enough to at least hold his own, but there were moments too where he was kind of hoping he'd get bailed out. And without that added rim protector there, like in an ISO situation, if he switched on to a big, you're probably he's probably giving up the basket. He was good enough to hold his own along the perimeter with smaller guards and things of that sort. But if they were too quick, then again, you're probably giving up something. So in, in Cleveland's sense, I, I, you probably don't want to go with that kind of switch or zone or anything like that. I, I think with zone, maybe. He, it probably would benefit him. I could see the, the bonus there for, for a guy like him protect an area. And he's, he's quick enough where he can kind of provide a little help and then recover and close out great closing out. I, I will give him that much. Like in terms of like closing out with Miami's heavy switch, like if it was a closeout, Max would try his damnedest to make an impact and, and affect the offensive player on the perimeter. Um, but yeah, it's, it's not always great, and so you'll have those moments again where you're going to give up something. And I mean, Mitchell and Garland are both negative defenders, right? And and I'd say that's the case with Struess as well, where he's—I mean, maybe he's an even defender if anything, but that's again on his best nights. Um, and, and so it's it's problematic. You're you're going to over rely on Allen and and Mobley to a greater deal, even more so than maybe last year, because Okoro is a plus defender, right? So I, I, you're kind of counting on him to provide some of that wing defense and you're not necessarily going to get that from Strews.
0: I look there's still a role for Isaac Okoro and I this is not a last core episode but like I kind of think there's a way for him to to find his way within what this roster is but that that is that is going to be some peak like late September content for me personally when we get to that. All right coming up next do, how does Max Roos mix the Cavs better? We'll discuss that debate that coming up Next. All right, let's wrap up today with David Rimmel talking about how Max Struess does or does not make the Cavs better. David, the Cavs last year have this flame out in the playoffs, lost to the Knicks. (laughs) Uh, This isn't necessarily because of Max Struess, but like Max Struess' team beat the New York Knicks. I think like it pretty much handled them. I think, and he looked pretty good in that series. Yeah. I ask you, because the Cavs go and play a premium for him. They clearly have aspirations. How does he does he in a in a way that I think matters make does he make them better does he help them maybe get to the second round maybe make a deeper run in the playoffs Is this the kind of signing for them that can help elevate them in a way they kind of are aiming for?
1: Um, No, I don't think so. I, I don't. I just don't see like I. I love the idea of him taking that next step. I just don't know that he's seen it. Maybe I'm just guilty of being trapped in the idea of who he was when he first came to Miami as a guy who was basically Mm. a cast off in the league and then just had to fit in where he could and he won't again he he didn't back down he like he had no problem with Jimmy Butler and like giving whatever they got and those you know those are difficult personalities and again as I've said before and as you well know like if you can thrive in Miami there's a good chance that you could take it you know that, that you don't mind the pressure and things of that sort because Miami is Different run organization. Uh and at the same time, like I I just don't know where he kind of fits into the, the structural hierarchy of the Cavs roster. Like there is a a ton of experience. Like I think he automatically becomes the most experienced playoff you know, in terms of like he's been to the finals, he's been on on these deep playoff runs. Like that, that is pretty impressive. I mean, I don't is there another player on the roster right now who's who's gone to the NBA finals? I, I can't think of one on the top of my head. But Max Struess is there. Well,
0: no, the 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 one who did make the finals is now with the Miami Heat. So,
1: <laughs> yeah. So I, I mean, it's uh, it's it's pretty interesting there. So I, I don't know. Um, I, I think he can. You just you you wouldn't want to rely on him to be that guy. Like I, I love the idea of him. Like he's going to save you a game, maybe. Like there's going to be one game mm-hmm. where he has that big quarter or a big half. It's like, okay, this is what we want, and then Donovan kind of takes over, Darius takes over, and you kind of have that even balance there. But he's 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 just really a, a solid role player with some good potential moments. And I know that sounds like I'm, a no- I'm knocking him, but I, I think that's still – like that's a coveted player in the NBA, maybe just not at that kind of contractual worth that he received there. I mean, like you said, he's paying, getting paid a premium – like you want him to be like that star level player. And I don't know that Max is that guy. Um, I think he'd be comfortable as a starter or as a bench player. He can play in different lineups. Um, he's, again, he's really smart. He's going to be great for Cleveland media. They're going to enjoy that kind of dry, acerbic wit of his. I know I certainly did. Um, but I just he, – he's just not, to me, that game changer. And he, he – he does I don't – I didn't see him at that point during his uh, heat stint either. Like he was really good, really nice games here and there. But as much as it kind of sucks to see him move on, I totally understand why. Like, and and I think there's, you know, there's a reason why Miami kind of tried their best to, to get Gabe Vincent back and didn't necessarily try as hard with, with Maybe it's just because they knew the writing was on the wall and Max was going to get paid a lot more Mm -hmm. than they could afford. But I I also see they, they, they kind of, He's a replaceable player uh, in Miami system.
0: So let me let me play devil's advocate to this a little bit. I think okay. you're mostly correct, but just just to like be slightly contrarian and give our yeah, no, my, my listeners here like and view something interesting. If you go to how Cleveland gets bounced, they had such a problem with anyone playing the three that could shoot threes and drew respect from an opposing defense. Their defense in the playoffs was like fine. Like Their defense against the Knicks was not the problem. Well, the problem was that Isaac Okoro and Danny Green and Karis LeVert and these guys were not hitting shots in the way that they needed to. Even if you're saying there is some variance in Max Strews. And like, is he an all-star? No. He's not. He's not going to make an all-star team. And he's making like a above average player money above the mid-level. Like I think there is just a ton of value in for them and him just being someone who's going to shoot a bunch of threes, make them at like between thirty five and thirty eight percent, and defenses will close out on him. I think there is. I, I understand like the the price tag. I think we also just have to realize we're in an era in the league where these price tags for like fifth starter, seventh guy, or seventh guy off the bench guys yeah. are just going to be higher and feel like crazy. They're just going to like look like that, and I. Met the Max Drews thing. It went from is he going to be for the mid level, right? To is he going to get fifteen million? To is he going to like the Cavs had to do a sign in trade to get him. That's how they had to get him. They had to hard cap themselves, which is fine. Like it doesn't really matter that much for this year, but they had to hard cap themselves to get him. Like they prioritized this. I really think the bet they're making, and I understand it, and I I tend to be sympathetic to it, is they looked at what they got at the wing in the playoffs and said we cannot do that again. Let's just pay for competence because we believe that Darius is going to get better. We believe in how good Donovan Mitchell is, and we and probably most importantly, we think Evan Moby's gonna get better. So like I kind of understand they're paying for competence in a way that I think maybe like doesn't feel crazy as a big offseason move, but I think considering the context of how their playoff exit went, yeah, I I kind of get it. I do get it.
1: Yeah, I I, I think there are there, there's going to be those moments too, and again, it's kind of a balance where I, I know he's going to draw a defender and make things easier, and, and maybe that's just it too. It's like Miami's Miami's roster is is kind of like a, a really it's not to say that they're mid all the time, but you know you don't really outside of a Jimmy Butler explosion, you don't really have that player who's likely to go off. And I think in Cleveland's case, you have two that have that potential, right? And, and so if it's just enough. If Max provides just that kind of a just enough of that kind of edge that was missing against the, you know, the Knicks last year, maybe that allows Mitchell to kind of have that room where he can, you know, do his thing and, and have that kind of explosive offensive game. So I totally get it. And in that case, it's more about the idea of of Max Struess rather than the actuality of him. And, and you know, maybe he'll hit a three to start off a game. And it's like, okay, maybe he's feeling it. But again, there's also you know the Knicks' defense wasn't all that great either, and I think they um, they had they could be physical in a way. Or, or an, opponent, an opponent that knows how to guard Max can take him out of the game to a, a degree where he's not that kind of factor anymore. And yeah, you have to respect him because you never know if he might have that big game or whatever. But I think on the whole, you're not overly concerned with Max' Struz going off. Like you're kind of comfortable ha- him having those points. And I think again, it's it's about him being able to take some of the pressure off of those guys that you want with a ball in their hands and in order to be able to have those big offensive games, that could lead to an easier victory for Cleveland.
0: I think that's all right. I think he's going to be like a very good competent role, but let me ask you this last question, David. Yep. Should he should he be their starter at the three? Let's just I I think if the season started today, I think he would. Yeah. If their options are him, Okoro, Karis, Levert, Ooh. like George Zank's not really a three, no. is Struce to you the answer? You go, you go with at the three.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think so. I, I think again, there you might have some problems defensively uh, with you know with those three kind of wing players, but uh, I don't know. Uh, I, I think, wow, yeah, you kind of need them to. Like it's not just about the money; it's about the 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 impact of what he can do. The skit. Yeah. 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 No, I, I think you're right. I, I think the schematically he could he, fit in there, but I wouldn't be surprised as to see him kind of on and off throughout the season and kind of based on whether or not he gets into a rut or something like that. Maybe you might see a change. I guess if I had to bet right now, I'd say he's probably the starter. Um, but I wouldn't be surprised if he doesn't remain that throughout the whole season.
0: Yeah. All right. You can check out David Ramil over at the Heat. He does that with, Wes Goldberg, David. Hopefully, for your sake, uh, the Damian Lillard trade happens sooner rather than
1: later. It's a great content, man, I and mean, we've had a lot to talk about between the finals run and Damian Lillard requesting a trade. It was it's been smooth sailing for us over at Locked On Heat.
0: How, how did you do a weeks full of, ep- works worth of episodes when uh, he played that Will Smith song in the club in Paris?
1: <laughs> we broke it down like the Zabruder film, you know, and the,
0: <laughs> it That's <laughs> so what we do. Yeah, that 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 is. That's the beauty. All right, we'll talk to everyone. We'll be locked on Cali backlist week. Go check out Locked and Heat as well. Thanks again to Jake Stevens for producing.